Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. So today we're talking about the Bridgerton series, um, or as many of the books as we've read. And this is a pretty well-known series lately because of the Netflix um, original about it. And we're excited. It's a historic romance. We're kind of continuing with that romance theme and excited to dig in. One of the things that I think was so interesting about Bridgerton is these, the TV series and the books, they have such a wide range of, like the books came out originally in 2000 and so we're now looking at kind of them through a bit of a different lens now from the tv series that came out you know in 2019 and I think I think what's kind of fascinating about looking at some of these stories is what was kind of popular what what sold and kind of how we feel about those things uh, you know in the past and then looking at how do we view how like, yeah. in the present? <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a great point. This series, like the first few books definitely have a very different feel than the later ones. And you can see kind of the progression of even societal thought. Right. <laughs> and I think, do you mind if we t- start with the Duke and I? Because yeah. I, I think... I think we kind of... Ha- in some ways, we kind of have to. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot there and there's there's a lot there that is interesting and irreverent and and kind of doesn't take the regency era too seriously yeah and then there's other things that I'm like as I read them I'm like oh this I'd like to (laughs) like dig into the the details of this and yes. okay so just to, like how that feels yeah just a forewarning <laughs> we probably will get into spoilers in this episode and we try to avoid that but I think it's going to be difficult to talk about some of these without that with the Duke and I obviously was that first one that came out yeah. it's the one that was the first season of Bridgerton there are a, a lot like at the beginning there's there's like this entire scene where someone is like passed out and, and has been hit in the face and it's like this is lying there and it, it's it's a very strange but funny and uh yeah. odd meat cute yes. <laughs> of a sort for sure and very yeah it's you don't it was different from the genre for sure. I think that the later part of this book bugged me a lot more though. Um, yeah, there definitely was a point in this book where, um, well, I mean, the female character sort of forced something that felt very inappropriate. Um, and yes. I got super angry at that part. I, I like almost put the book down. I was could, really could we, could we dig in with that? Cause I think we need to like, yeah. I, especially because of the characters do do you mind if I give yeah yeah so two characters Daphne and Simon and Simon has been traumatized Mm -hmm. and he 
he grew up with a very unloving, rejecting father. He he had speech delays and had learning um, difficulties. Yeah. And his father basically rejected him. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so he makes a vow that he's never going to have a family. Yeah. Never. And there is a point in time where where he he basically says that he can't have a family and to him like he he means that he like can't like he can't bring himself to but it's interpreted that he physically can't and so with his partner there's this disconnect of this miscommunication what that means Mm -hmm. yep and maybe he should have stated things more clearly but once that's found out there is a a scene that feels like it's rape yeah absolutely it is a very interesting in that way that it kind of reverses the genders on that though and and I did find that fascinating like because generally we see that sort of lack of consent with the man pushing the issue. And in this case, we have the woman pushing the issue. And, um, and that was interesting. Like that it was a very interesting choice, but it did make me angry. Yeah. yeah. Be- can I, so it made me angry too. And uh, the I, so I've thought about this a lot because it was included in the show as well. Mm-hmm. It's not, it was a big part of the plot. You can't really get sex. away from like, it. Yeah, absolutely. But the music is really, like it's it is it is not played as sexual like like sexy it's played really as this is not right yeah but they never really grapple with that acknowledge that that she takes yeah that like there is no conversation about it and it's Mm -hmm. almost even worse in the Mm -hmm. book because they don't she asks him if he's upset and he actually he defaults and and doesn't doesn't use his words and yeah. I'm like use your words like talk. well and even when there's because, reconciliation there's still no conversation about it I'm just like <laughs> right and I I think that was a I think that was a missed opportunity on both yeah. the novel's part and the novel I think kind of skated over it yeah. even more than the tv show but i think the tv show should have dug into because i i think i think seeing it through that lens i had wished that they had a scene mm. that acknowledged that yeah there's definitely a, a no even if it's not said out loud mm-hmm. there's a no there yeah um and and I think for something that for a show that has done enthusiastic consent decently well, um, it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I feel like you do often have opportunity with a series, an adaptation like that, when you're making something into a show or a movie, you have opportunities to sort of correct things. Um, especially like doing them, what, 20 some years later, um, yeah, yeah, so that makes yes. sense. That it's <laughs> yeah, the thing that's been interesting yeah. to me with these books is even when there's something that I'm like, oh, I still read the second book because 
she has this way yeah. of in her writing of like <laughs> pulling you in like I don't know that yes. it's like you can't I can't put them down like once I start them I'm just like I have to finish I completely agree with that like and it's funny because they're definitely not without fault like I read sure. them and I'm like oh I would have chosen to do that differently and yeah. oh like they really the Bridgertons really like to like talk about killing people and like <laughs> strangling them and I'm like they need to work on their anger yes but well let's talk about book two because they are like, like the couple in book two are super <laughs> aggressive towards each other like sometimes even physically like, and I'm like goodness oh that feels a little bit right? online. <laughs> like stepping on her hand and stuff, like, and I'm just like ah. <laughs> And when someone was kicked, I'm like, oh, mm, I'm I'm not here for I'm not here for that. And, yeah. and I I felt a little uncomfortable too, like yeah. because and, and I would say like there's actually several times that someone actually hits her part, like yes. she hits her partner, like yeah. in different books, and I'm like. Okay, okay. Um, so I could do without that part. And it it is it is kind of one of those fascinating things, though, that I think characters the characters are interesting. Mm-hmm. I think she does a really good job of like Lady Whistledown. Kind of is a fun yeah. framing mechanism, and I I love. I loved that choice. Yes. And and then having so many interesting characters. I love Violet, like the Bridgerton mother. I love totally. Lady Danbury. Like she's. Yes. Lady Danbury is like my favorite. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and in fact, I've, I've had to walk with a cane recently and I'm like, I am rocking the Lady Danbury with my <laughs> cane because like she just has this spiritedness um Mm -hmm. and and there's a a lot of that that I think from the there are times when the banter is just really great and it flows really well and and there's moments that are just sparkling and Mm -hmm. I think what what I like about it is it there's certain things that I'm like oh this is done really well and I enjoy yeah and then there's other things that I'm like, oh, that's something that I might do differently. And so it makes me think about it too. Yeah. Um, so I th- I think that's one of the things that I've kind of been drawn in with is like the, the, those two things that I'm like, I'm learning something, but yeah. I'm also just, I do have to get to the end, even, even yeah. though, I mean, she does kind of have a form that is very, that does kind of repeat um it's like she has kind of a formula that that does but even though I know that formula is there like as an underpinning Mm -hmm. um I do still keep reading them too yeah um and I I, I do think they're they're also getting better I think yes I agree yeah I agree I think they um that you're onto something though with the characters and the dialogue like I think those things really are so good that then that kind of pulls you in I think she also has a really good way of like there is a lot of conflict um throughout the books like 
especially for a romance, there's just like a lot of conflict even between the characters. And sometimes that goes too far, as we've discussed. But I think that actually like helps make it so engaging. It makes me think sometimes of like James Scott's spell conflict and suspense. And like just this idea that we as like as readers, we read stories we want to see conflict. Like we don't want to just see someone's normal everyday life. And I think especially for this genre, like um, in historical romance, there can be a lot of like slow sections or places where things are a little bit like everybody having tea talking about their day and these books don't feel like that like there just isn't those like those kinds of boring sections even when you have scenes where everyone's having tea it's very interesting because there is conflict which gets us into book three like an offer from a gentleman there's probably more scenes in that than any of them where you have people sitting around talking and yet there's so much like undertones and subtext and this conflict that keeps that interesting um yeah absolutely an open conflict that is you know you know that is out there like even even the in going back to london knowing that there's out there this potential of all of these things coming crashing down like i I love that she has both like the interpersonal conflict, but also those kind of outside conflicts Yes, of, especially in those two books, um, the three and four, um, an offer from a gentleman and romancing Mr. Bridgerton. They have those external conflicts out there that, that kind of keep growing larger and larger. Yeah. And then they, they have that interpersonal relational conflict, which I will say there was one part of an offer from a gentleman that almost lost me. Where oh, yeah. I was really upset, too, with the proposition. <laughs> yes. 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 I was like, I was liking yeah. you until this moment. <laughs> yeah, I That's, agree. Like, yes. That male character and, went super downhill really fast then. And he, he did sort of like right. win me back over. But, oof. <laughs> yeah. I, that, I think, I think that really like taught me be careful what you have your characters say and what you have them do and make sure you understand what that does to the reader and because that I was in the same boat and I actually I had never really liked the character all that much and it was like oh I was starting to be like a a Benedict fan and then I'm like (laughs) yeah (laughs) what I did love though is say like (laughs) yes is how strong she was in that. Like, yes, because of how much I like his proposition, propositioning her and like my distaste for him actually made me like her, I think more because of her response. Like, and she was one of my, she might be one of my favorite characters in the whole series. Like she just has such conviction and strength and really like, yeah, stands by that. But yeah that one that one was rough for me too (laughs) but again so interesting and I totally get why why the author did it like from an author perspective (laughs) she needed some way to get these characters back to London and it it really was the only way like she had to have him force the issue um which makes the reader not like him but it keeps them in close proximity and I I wish I wish at least that it had been softened um, from the way that it was couched because like yeah how it's done is 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 
even I think says more about his character, even that he does it. Like yes. it, it, yeah. <laughs> and I, I definitely agree with that. I really liked Sophie a lot. I think that she has a lot of depth. I think she has a lot of yeah. resilience. And yes. I think she actually was one of the most relatable of mm-hmm. of all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um and and I think like the digging in with her character, I think the the first two we don't get as much digging in with all the characters and by yeah. the the by the third book the fourth we're digging in a lot more with them and even digging yeah. in more with this the secondary characters so we've yes. seen a lot more of who they are yeah. and that I think also sets up the next stories really well where yeah whereas the first ones feel a little more encapsulated yes I I do think they they kind of in digging in and seeing more of these characters kind of in and playing and here we get Colin at the masquerade ball and and then that kind of transitions into Colin's story better I think getting a little more of who he is yeah three four and five really do feel like they build on each other um and you will get more out of them if you read them those ones especially together but I totally agree about the secondary characters in these ones like in book three and not from a gentleman like that's when I really started loving Violet the mom like she was awesome in that story yeah. <laughs> and like when she shows up yes! at the end at the jail I was just like oh yes oh! Violet. <laughs> I think that was the thing I loved best about that book was, was mm-hmm. Violet in that space <laughs> doing yeah. her thing like him being she'll just kick just... ass <laughs> Yeah, that's and it feels like that. Like and having a a mother character come in and be able to kind of be the be a heroine of that story, like be the the one who's able to swoop in and and be like, this is what we're gonna do. Like it was really it was it was a nice change of pace. Like there's so many books that are like, oh they they the hero has to save like I loved yes. I loved that I loved um the choice yeah. of that and and I do I think I think Violet over time has really gotten a lot of layers to her yes. which you kind yes. of you kind of even see a softening maybe over time as well yeah, of, for sure. of like you know what even from a societal is you know perspective is accepted and and what she kind of becomes a little bit of a rebel towards like Mm -hmm. the The later books the later books that I like that I totally agree (laughs) completely I really loved at the end of book three too like the way that she set up book four and like we get this moment of Okay, I'm drawing a blank on the characters' names. From, um, is it Colin and uh, Colin Penelope? Yeah, Penelope. Yep. So you get this moment where Colin is like, "I will never ever marry Penelope," and I just, as soon as yeah. that happened, I was like so excited because I could see it coming as the reader, and I love that. Like, I love when you have this moment where you're like, "Ooh, yes. I know this is gonna happen." Um, it's almost like a <laughs> reverse promise. Like by the, the author telling you something's not gonna happen, as the reader, you're like. It's gonna happen and I wanna see it happen. Um, so then getting into like yes. I will say book four is my favorite, like romancing Mr. Bridgerton. I just loved it. I Mine loved too. it so much. And I loved the like we get a lot of um Danbury in it and <laughs> just... yes. 
<laughs> she was great. I love that too. I, I, it's, it's my favorite that I've read um, so far. And I, I think, as you said, the setup, it yeah. just makes you want that book. Like the second I read that, I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm here for this. Like, and even, even just Penelope in that scene, like, I, I love that he says that. And I love that she's walking out the door. Yes. And I love that there is like a moment where one of the characters notices yeah. that, oh, Penelope loves you know yeah his brother like it's her yeah but we're not in either of like we're not in colin's perspective or penelope's like in that moment of understanding necessarily like the the awareness is from the eye so we kind of we hear what they say to each other but it's like oh what how's that gonna change things and i it was an interesting voice that it it was so many years in the future, I think, to yes. do Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. Yeah, I um, kind of expected it to be right after that. And and I loved the choice that right? it wasn't. It gave this time for that to, like, settle. Yeah. And I think having so many Regency, we don't actually see characters who are beyond, like, a certain age. Like, yes. it, it almost allowed for kind of a persuasion type of digging mm-hmm. in with these characters that have lots of history th- yeah. that have, have you know the unrequited love and that have this oh she's a friend and she will never be anything else and then it kind of forces them to do a bunch of growing in different ways or maybe even yeah. avoiding some of their own yeah things that they you know responsibilities and then you get to see them again in a new place yeah more mature more ready force Mm -hmm. them yeah (laughs) colin is actually he had been from the beginning my one of my favorite side characters yeah Uh, (laughs) like (laughs) he's great and the two of them together are just so good I love um, their shared interests and just like this, I mean, you know, you know, I'm like always here for characters that write and having them both yes. um, kind of be writers was just a fabulous, fabulous thing. It made me happy. Um, and it, this book had so many just like tropes and things that I love. <laughs> like you get the like unrequited yes. love, you get the friends to lovers, you get this like Mr. Popular and Wallflower. You get like, yeah, it yes. just, it was great. <laughs> And I think, like, seeing Penelope over time to yeah. kind of develop as a character and yes. find her physical voice was such a delight. Yes. It was It was so nice to see her kind of come into her own in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to find, like, that that kindred spirit in lady danbury mm-hmm. who's like you know isn't it nice when we get to surprise ourselves that it's kind of be, yeah. be someone we didn't and show up as you know as ourselves and realize that that's something different than what who we thought we were and i i loved those themes i yes. i loved the meta of of like looking at writing from that outside lens as they talked about it mm-hmm. there was just so much to I think really, really 
really enjoy beyond the story, which I think was quite good, and the yes. conflicts that felt really natural, even in yes. like when you love someone for a very long time, like and idolize them and yeah. idealize them. And you have to accept that they're a human yes. <laughs> who is imperfect and who has flaws. Like mm-hmm. there, there was something really, I think that kind of brought that back down to reality and grounded it in something that felt maybe even more um, like it had more depth to yes. it um and and made that relationship i think even more something that you wanted to root for because you're you're like you want them to get to that point where they see each other clearly yes absolutely and there's a nice and interesting contrast too there where he has to kind of elevate his view of her and realize that she's better than he had yes. thought um and she has just all kinds of qualities that he didn't even know about. And she has to sort of de-elevate her view of him and kind of realize that he's actually human and that she still loves that human even as he is and not just as the sidelines. Yeah, person from afar. So yeah, that was really beautiful. I really liked too, like this book had a much quieter um, resolution or like conflict, like... um, climax but I loved I really loved the climax in this book like the way he responded to things the way that he just stood by her and like yeah yeah it was just fabulous I really loved it I think I love that as well because some of them like they they the first ones felt like they all had to have this like end with a bang yes (laughs) like absolutely literally literally. there was like a carriage Right. There's like a carriage thing. And, you know, and, and not that that's bad, but I, I think reminding ourselves that it, it doesn't all have to be danger yeah. from the like physical perspective. Often that danger can be, can appear in many different ways. And, and it, it can be that, you know, this is, this is something that's mine and that is important to me. And like, I, I loved, I loved that it, it, it really leaned into understanding that. I think Mm -hmm. that's sometimes that type of drama, that type of like, this is a reputation. This is a, you know, how people view me. This is my work. Like, yeah, there was so much in the, in the themes and kind of the the grappling of that, um, that I really, I really loved because it really understood like the characters that were, were, were there. And and really, um, I think, you know, having a, a con, a conflict climax that actually really well reflects. Yeah some of those themes that have been like under discussion and interrogation proceeding really Mm -hmm. is it's a lot more effective than ones that are just someone's in harm's way like like more generally and and more generally (laughs) kind of in the someone is going to potentially be hurt from from a an accident or or something like that it kind of digs in a little more to the heart of something. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. 
the themes are really well developed in this one and really well um, executed within the plot and the story too. Um, and I actually haven't read um, the next one for Eloise, but I can't wait because I love Eloise. What, yes. what is your kind of, I know. Yeah. You well, the, I really the, liked the, that the way she set up Eloise's story in book, um, in book four. And we kind of get this sense that Eloise is, hiding something and has something going on that we don't know about. And so it's really fun then, like that was another moment where I was like, oh, I want to know what's going on there and kind of drove me right into yes. book five. Um, and I liked book five a lot. It was definitely, it has a very different feel in some ways to the other ones. And yeah, I liked it, but I wouldn't say that it was my favorite. I liked it probably better than the first two, but not as much as book four. Um, yeah, I think it was really interesting choice in book four also to like, I mean, we mentioned at the beginning that she uses this framework of Lady Whistledown um, and you don't know who like basically Lady Whistledown is writing these society papers and you get kind of these glimpses into what's happening within the story from an external view um, through these little segments that she that are that the author shares from this society paper. And in book four, we get to find out who Lady Whistledown is and that is a choice as an author that I wouldn't have made like if I knew I was going to continue with the series past book four I would want to continue yes. that mystery like I would assume that that's would be the right choice or what the reader would want and yet as the reader I really loved like I don't know I think I think it could have gotten frustrating for the reader if it went on too long I still think book four is probably a little earlier yes. than I would have chosen but I loved it because I loved book four and, I, and you couldn't have had book four without revealing Lady Whistledown <laughs> Um, absolutely. So it, I think it was a really good choice, but it's interesting that in book five, you don't have that same framework. You don't get Lady Whistledown's society papers at all. And so she breaks her own, um, format. Um, we get something else instead that kind of replaces that, but yeah, it was just a really interesting choice. And I'm, st I, I don't know that it's good or bad. It just was an interesting choice and one that I probably wouldn't have made as an author. That's a great point. Um, and I definitely agree with you from it. It was surprising to me too, mm -hmm. because I do think it's so like compelling yeah. and, and delightful even like, it's yeah. just a part of it. That's, that's so interesting. And in the TV series, they haven't really done dealt with that yet because mm. they're going into season three they actually swapped the books and they're doing um seeing mr bridgerton for season three oh, so i'm very intrigued to see how they're gonna handle that yeah, yeah. I, they haven't announced what season four is gonna be so i'm like this is gonna be weird fascinating julie andrews plays the voice of lady whistledown which is amazing um <laughs> And it's just delightful. And um, it is one of those narration things that opens up every episode. And so you just wonder yeah, how it's going to be dealt with um, yeah. on that side. I'm intrigued. That's very interesting. I, yeah, I'm surprised. Did they set up, like, did they set up the Colin thing, like, and Penelope thing yes. in the end of season two then? Uh, interesting yes and so so they kind of give different things away at different times we actually we know 
something um at the we are we are given this the answer to the secret at the end of season one um of the who interesting and it actually sets up this great dramatic tension in season three in season two where you see the character um having to play two sides having to play these two things and balance them and having to make choices that potentially can hurt someone on her on the other side of things yeah that's so Um, so interesting it it, (laughs) it gave a lot of dramatic tension to the subplot within season two I could totally see that. Like it's it's not a choice that I would have made in making an adaptation, but I can see how then the yeah. con- like the tension doesn't become like who is this person, but it becomes like how is everyone else going to figure this out? Figure out who is this yeah. person yes. and you get the person's interior conflict. That yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Very interesting. Yes. And I I will say in general one of the things that I think season one does better than the duke and i is a lot of the character sub character connections um Mm. and relationships they're actually pulled into season one and set up so Mm. you get all the friendships and yeah and you you actually know like you you from a setting up season three perspective with colin and penelope you actually know fairly early on that penelope likes colin and that uh-huh. he is completely like oblivious to uh-huh. and that like you have her friendship with eloise you kind of yeah. all of that great stuff set up really early on so that you, you as we get to that point where she hears him say that very end of season two you the, already care i would it. never court yeah i would never court penelope featherington they've just danced together and he mm. has just told her um something that made her hopeful and so like you have all this drama um oh, going into season three already established um and we've seen a lot of her her character in reference to kind of her and Colin, her and Eloise. So you get kind of all of these things that you're like, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with it because I think they can dig in even farther than the books yeah. potentially because they've already covered so much ground. Yeah. So I, I am looking forward to see like what ways they change it then since some of the, some of the conflicts are already kind of established so they're gonna that they're yeah we'll we'll have to see how they dig in further with them uh we get lady a lot of lady danbury throughout which i love Mm -hmm. um in the in the tv series and i think she's just a great character that she's she is wonderful to put into any scene because she's she's kind of a wonderfully disruptive chaotic force just she comes into the room and it's like and everything changes around her and I I think there's something great about being able to do that they also add in this character of the queen uh, queen charlotte who has power to change things mm-hmm. um you know she's a woman who it it is the storyline of 
her husband, you know, the mad king. And so you get both a woman who's who's having a who has a very difficult mm. relationship, but lots of power and lots of time. Mm. And so you kind of get to this great character that can come in and kind of be a spoiler and kind of change, change the direction of things, which I I thought was really clever. Um, hmm. Even just bringing in some some characters to kind of keep the story. The books themselves do kind of revolve so much around that couple that they yeah. kind of open up the world a little more. Yeah. Um, to allow a little more digging into some of the nuances of of the time, and obvi- obviously, yeah. they they make choices that aren't, um, you know, they're not. It does. It's not that they're going for historical historical okay. accuracy. I think they're just going for a story that's interesting and really gets into the humanity and and of these interactions and kind of it goes into the drama but you also have the like fun and yeah. the like banter mm-hmm. there's a great scene in the duke and i that where they can't even heat milk like the the bridgerton siblings don't even know how to heat up milk and they kept <laughs> that in the series which i i liked as kind of a like these people can't can't in many ways they don't they lack a lot of skills and a lot of abilities to even just do things for themselves and and they dig in with that like that a little bit like power Mm -hmm. and and the the double standard between men and women and the information that they're given yeah um, it's one of the I don't know if you felt this, but one of the things that I felt about consent was mm-hmm. how can you have consent if you don't have knowledge? Like, mm-hmm. how can you have consent if you don't know what you're consenting to? And mm-hmm. there were so many moments where I wish that there was a little more ability to understand what exactly they were consenting to and what the ramifications that that the women in the story were. Yeah. Um, and the Duke and I in season one actually she is part of her arc Daphne's arc is finding out that information and mm. and being able to kind of impart it then hopefully to the next generation you know <laughs> to her siblings and because it is with it is withheld in society yeah. and and I I liked that at least it didn't ignore that. It yeah. didn't ignore that they weren't told anything until their wedding nights and that that that's yeah. Um that yeah. that that should be, I think, interrogated. Yeah. Well, even in the book you get these very awkward scenes of like the mom trying to tell, tell the girls things that's gonna happen, but without like actually saying anything, and you're just like, um <laughs> Which make them funny scenes, but also like mm, this is yes. not great. Yeah, that's such a, such an interesting choice, though, and I love that they did that to draw in more of those characters earlier because we do get like we get Penelope and Danbury and all of them in the earlier books, but they're they're not just side characters; they're like pushed to the very outside. You know, we get just little hints, and when you get to book four and you 
you learn about the history with Colin and Penelope kind of all at once. And there's like little hints of it in book three, but really before that, you don't really understand that at all. And it makes a lot of sense to me to pull that earlier and to really set that up more. um, So that you don't have to do like this backstory info dump like you have at the beginning of book four. Absolutely. And, and they actually set up Anthony a lot better for the Mm. season two's, um, the Viscount who loved me um is actually it's a slow burn and they they actually changed the framing of it mm-hmm. um it's 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 no uh, of at least how the couple get together and when um and i loved it like it it's enemies to lovers they yeah. they don't hit each other thankfully <laughs> um and it's just they go head to head so well and and yet you get this moment at the beginning where Kate is Kate is framed differently. They dig in more with her character. We get a lot more of who Kate is, why she is the way she is, and I think they establish it a a bit a lot better than the book um, in yeah. the series. They get this great. She's riding on this horse like across this this um, kind of park uh-huh. and. You get Anthony, who's been just, he's kind of ground down to the bone. And all of a sudden, like, he comes alive. And he thinks that she's, like, the horse is out of control. And so he's trying to, like, you know, catch up with her so that he can save her. And she ends up, like, jumping this hedge. And so it becomes this, this you know it was a race that they didn't know that they were both in and it's just delightful it sets it up really well that you already see what they could be and then very quickly Anthony being Anthony opens his mouth and 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 says something that she overhears that isn't directed directly at her but completely like takes away any like <laughs> like for him at all or interest and it just it's it's this beautiful almost pride and prejudice type moment but yeah it doesn't feel like it's it is an homage without being a direct reference like he says something that any any woman who had heard would be like yeah peace out like <laughs> you suck <laughs> and and i i didn't love anthony in the first season but they they kind of do something that makes you at least pity him like like the role that he puts on himself yeah and it really I like season two better than season one and I think it's because of all that establishment of character even though I'm not necessarily sympathetic to him going in there's something about it that I'm like, okay, I will, we'll see where this goes. Like we'll we'll hope that he can kind of grow and, and and get out of this rut. Um, And there's just a lot of great tension, a lot of Mm -hmm. great um, moments where they do this wonderful job of showing all the ways in which they could work together yes. well, but that there's just this like 
barrier between them and yes. and they are like magnets like it's it's like I, I we're we're gonna be either furious or we're gonna be kissing and then yeah <laughs> which is nice like yeah you get that in the book too like as much as I disliked the how physically aggressive they were with each other in the book, I, I really loved the banter between the two of them in book two and just the enemies yes. to lovers and like all of that was just was just great. It was very fun. All right, well, we should wrap up because yeah. <laughs> we've gone long and we could probably still t- yes. keep talking. Um, but this is fun to talk about Bridgerton. If you have read the books or seen the show, come hop on Instagram and talk about it with us. We'd love to hear what your favorite one of the books is or what you liked about the adaptations and the changes they made. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us. Keep reading, keep exploring different stories and keep writing and putting your work out into the world. <laughs>